Have you ever heard the phrase, the best things come to those who wait? I always hated that when I was growing up because I'm a very impatient person and it just didn't suit me. But today it is absolutely true. I had to wait nine-ish months to meet Arthur, adorable, soon to be handful like his brother's baby boy. And since I completely forgot how exhausting this time of life is, you, our dear listeners, have unfortunately had to wait for a new episode. But I'm about to make it up to you with today's guest. She was not only a stud on the diamond, but now she's a game changer professionally as well. In our chat, we discuss being a role model, and she could not be a better leader for that mission. I'll tell you who she is in a minute, but first, a quick update on what we've got going in 2021. Our core mission is to give softball players and coaches the mental tools they need to help them succeed, both on and off the field. And we do that in two ways. First, Alicia works with teams. In addition to her boot camps, she runs quick hit mental performance clinics where she comes in person to work with your team or teams over a couple of days, teaching mental performance concepts, challenging their mental toughness with fun games, and training their mentality with actual softball drills. She also runs a full eight-week dream team program where she works with the girls week by week, usually virtually, through the eight core C's. Culture, committed, competitive, confident, courageous, composed, in control, and consistent. And let me tell you, the team she's worked with so far have loved it, and she does such a great job. I'm so glad she's my BP because she does a fantastic job with the girls, inspiring them, empowering them, and all these teams have left more energized and ready to take on the day. Now, from my side of the biz, I work directly with you coaches to help you improve your skills, not only in coaching the mental game, but in modeling mental toughness. From the drill and activity bundles that you can implement immediately with your teams, to the Difference Makers Boot Camp, which you guys have heard about, where you can hone in on your unique coaching superpowers so you can get the best from your girls. And now we have the next level program for coaches who want to build mental training into everything they do as a coach without needing a ton of extra time or a PhD in psychology. For that, we got the Coaching Impact Accelerator. So if you want to learn more about any of these things, just head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash work with us. All right, enough out of me. Let's get on to the show. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing, And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Got such an exciting guest today. You all know her. You all love her. We are so excited to share her journey and her take on the mental side of our game. Please welcome Jessica Mendoza. Welcome. Well, thank you. Shoot. I mean, you have like the voice, the, the intro, the like, I feel like I want to just like have you with me everywhere. I just walk into a room. Mel just walks in ahead of me and like, and here is the legend. <laughs> She's like perfect. She has the perfect podcast voice. She does it all really, really well. I'm just a coach. So <laughs> like the fake crowd. Noise. <laughs> yeah. That would be really great. Anyway, thanks again for joining us. Um, I saw a couple Instagram posts recently. It looks like you were skiing and some fun things with your family. So it looks like you were having a great vacation. So thanks again for coming. Um, but we wanted to just kind of kick off by hearing a little bit about your journey. Obviously, you played at Stanford. You played in the Olympics at the highest level. So how did you use mental toughness uh, to get to that level and through that level? 
Uh, you know, I feel like anyone who chooses a sport like softball or baseball um, is already going to have to deal with like some mental challenges and be kind of like up for it. Be like, all right, like I'm picking a sport that you fail more than you succeed. And yet you still have to find the ability to get back in that batter's box and be like, bring it on. Um, and that's, you know, I think something that I think is so huge with when I look back on just you know, there's so many skills that you learn from playing sport, teamwork, you know, just, but to me, softball, what it brought for me at a young age was just the understanding of failure and how you learn from it. And the fact that you almost welcome failure in the sense of like, if you're always succeeding, you're never, you're never getting better. You know, even though it seems like, oh, this is great. I'm batting a thousand. This is awesome. Um, that's the days when you can really dig deep and have the humility to not be like, oh, you know, it was the umpire's fault or that pitch wasn't a strike or whatever the weather, you know, and actually be like, okay, I did not hit because I chose the wrong pitch because my swing, whatever it might be. And you learn it and you get better. And that's literally what I think stems for me. Like one of the biggest things of playing, you know, softball for so long and having to mature and grow and handle emotions that come with like uber competitiveness, which is what I am <laughs> like super competitive, wanting to do it every single time. And then understanding that like, no, like I am like never going to be perfect. That the whole part of it is actually the process of just continuing to get better. Yeah. Oh, so good. I touched on a million things, but I'll first touch on that piece we're talking about being super competitive, having the perfectionist mentality, and also embracing that it's not going to go how you want it. How did you strike that balance as a player? And then now also as a professional and mom of like using the perfectionism to help you succeed, keep your standards high and your goals high, but also balancing the emotions that come with not reaching those expectations. Well, and knowing like that's, Mel, that's a great point. Cause I feel like one of the big questions I get is like, how do you balance it all? how are you a mom? And like you travel and career and like all this stuff. And one of the things that I've learned, even from being a, you know, college athlete, you know, high school athlete, like being a student athlete, like that, you know, balance is first of all, like I hate the word balance because ultimately it never is in balance. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm falling off the beam every day. Like it, it, the whole point is, is to kind of be where you're at and anyone who's, you know, just juggled multiple things in their life understands that, you know, for me, when I'm with my kids and I'm pretending I'm a dinosaur and we're wrestling on the ground, you know, I might miss a call or forget to send an email or, you know, all the things that aren't happening in that moment, because I'm all about my kids in that moment. Then there's times like I'm on the road and I'm covering a game and I'm doing Yankees, Red Sox and, you know, I miss a school play or like a big moment that happened with my kids and it sucks. And it's, it's not always in balance. It's the understanding that like, we're not meant to be perfect. And if we put that expectation on our, ourselves, we're never going to reach it. The day of like, you know, me, like husband coming home, I've got the apron on hair, perfectly done. I'm like hot as can be dinners on the table. Kids are quietly reading. Everything's taken care of like fake. Like that's just not reality. Um, and I kind of like my reality. I mean, there's times it, it does suck and it's hard to not be in two places at once and do everything all the time. But when you kind of realize the chaos it is your life and embrace that and be like, but this is what makes me me. <laughs> my kids understand that like they're, my entire world isn't hundred percent about them all the time. And I think that's good for them to understand. 
that it's, it's good to be a kid and understand that like they have to figure stuff out and that mom and dad aren't always going to be there. Um, but that I'm always going to love them with all of me. Um, but that mom has a life too and a job and guess how you got this house and like all the things you have. Like, I think that's important conversations that we've had to have when they're like, but I want you to be here. And, you know, everyone has kids knows the whole entire world revolves around them. So it's like, wait, why would you ever leave me? Like I am here. Doesn't everyone just want to like feed me and do everything that I say all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's, it's the understanding. I think the moment that I realized that it's never going to be perfect and to actually embrace the imperfections, to have moments when we're laughing at just how ridiculous like dinner turned out tonight or, you know, just our life. Um, and know that this is us and, and that's, that's okay. I think that's a lot of what women uh, professionals and coaches struggle with because they do feel like they do have to balance it all. And I remember, I'll never forget it. I was in, standing in the kitchen on one of those late nights that I came home from coaching and, you know, I have a full-time job as well. And my daughter just looked at me and said, mom, you work really hard. So it's those types of moments that you're, you are still being a role model as, as a woman and as a mom, even though you are ha having these careers and that you're coaching and that you aren't always there. And I think that that's sometimes lost on women who have children and are professionals and coach as well. And I, I love how you say we can't be perfect, but I know that we really still strive to all the time and have that picture perfect, um, you know, uh, dinner table. You know, I remember when we, we used to have dinner at home and my mom would always, but she was home, you know, and it was always perfect. So that just kind of brought back that memory, but thank you for, for, I think it's giving us permission and allowing us to feel that way. Totally. Well, and the guilt is real. I feel like there's a lot of judgment that's out there with everything. You need to do that on just like how you look, what you eat. Like, you know, there's always so much judging that happens with women in general, let alone moms and working moms. And there's this judgment of like, wait, like, like I've gotten like, wait, you can leave your kids. And I'm like, they act like I'm leaving them on the side of the road. <laughs> like, I'm like, so I have a husband, by the way, like, would you ever go up to a man who's working to go off to work and say, you're leaving your children with your wife? Oh my gosh, it's like child abuse. You know, like, no, like, but me, the fact that I'm leaving my kids, it's like, literally I've left them homeless on the side of the road with like, I'll see you in a few days. And it's like, no, they're, they're totally fine. And, but the guilt is real. And it does, you know, it, it definitely hits. And when people ask me questions like, you know, how can you be away or how can you, you know, not be home or miss this. And it's hard because it definitely hits, it strikes a chord that's there um, of like wanting to be everywhere and wanting to be everything. Um, but then I've had to like, and I've got an amazing husband that literally reminds me like, Jess, like, we're fine. This is all in your head, like in society and all of that. But look, like we are totally okay. And like, by the way, like men can take care of kids. It's totally fine. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> <laughs> That's all parenting some days. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you talk about how well, other people ask and say, and even if it's not directed towards us in a mean way, it affects us and we, we take it in. But I think we all need to realize that it's coming from their point of view too, their own little bubble, their own little corner of the universe. And it's also going to be shaded by what they're seeing. So I'm wondering in your experiences, especially now 
um, being older and looking back, how, when you were a player, especially, did some of those outside influences creep in? <laughs> and then how did you go back to yourself and realize, no, this is me. I'm good. How to move on? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, as a player, the outside influence, I don't think was as much there just because, you know, I'm going to the Olympics and I'm going, you know, to college. And it was like all the path that's like, okay, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. Or like, you know, this is, this is great. It's when you start to do things that aren't the, the path that um, aren't the cliche, like what you're, you know, supposed to do. So as long as I'm graduating college and I've got a job, I'm sure Olympics, that sounds great. Um, It was really when I entered into the male space, like when I started doing baseball, that outside voices absolutely started to um, come in and um, just, you know, and started to affect you. And it's like, hey, we're good with you sticking with your female sport. As long as you're talking about softball or playing softball or doing all those things, like we're good. But you come into our home and like uh, this male only place and we're going to come at you and we're going to say things and we're going to judge you. And that, I mean, to me has been like the biggest, probably growing up um, has been the last five years. Not so much like we were talking earlier about middle school and high school. <laughs> like I thought that was hard, you know, trying to find your identity and have confidence in who you are. Um, but ultimately I was incredibly challenged um, the last five years, like more so ever in my life of just like, do I deserve to be here? Yeah, I didn't play major league baseball. Yes, I'm not a man. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, but am I good enough? And really finding that within myself so that I could combat all the negativity, but those around me. And I think women also have to experience that as a professional in a mostly male dominated industry. I've had my boss actually tell me, you know, cause I'm an emotional person and he knows that, but he said, when you make that call to, you know, your boss's boss, just make sure you're not emotional. Like it's, it's like not giving you permission to be who you are and trying to tear, tear down those walls of like, I I'm here to work too. And yes, I'm an emotional person, but don't tell me, don't tell me how to act. You know, it was really frustrating. So when you did first start to get into that space, did you rely back on some of the things that you learned from softball and things like that to, to punch through, you know, punch through that glass ceiling, but also really be able to be who you are and be gen and true to you, who you are when you were doing your ESPN. Absolutely. I mean, like what, where I feel like I entered another level as an athlete is when like this quote always resonates with me, practice, like you're the worst player on the field, but play like you're the best. And throughout my career, especially early on, I was really good at like practicing. Like I was the worst. Like I was really good at like seeing the faults, failures, like just constantly, like, I need to get better. I'm not good enough. I need to get better. I need to get better. I do feel like sometimes that's a female trait of like always trying to find like what's wrong and not like waking up every day and being like, I'm amazing. (laughs) That just doesn't happen. And I learned quickly, especially when I got to the Olympic level that you can actually quickly become the person that you're doubting. Like the way that you're, you know, am I good enough to be here? Like, oh my gosh, Lisa Fernandez is hitting behind me. I got her autograph when I was 10. How am I even on this team? Like I just started doubting myself and doubting myself. And yes, it drove me to work harder than like anybody, but then game day would come and I still had those doubts and I couldn't shake them. Like then when I was like, no, 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 like I need to like be good right now. Like I wasn't. Um, so I, I kind of learned that 
midway through my playing career um, that you need a balance. It's good to be humble because that's what's going to drive you to work hard. But then you need to have that swag. You need to wake up on game day and be like, girl, you ain't beating me. Like, bring it on. Like, I am stronger, faster, smarter, like all of these things. And really believe it because that's really the product that's going to show up. If I wake up in the morning and I'm like, gosh, like, I don't know, like, do I even belong on this team? Like I, I saw the results show up and I knew I was better, but it was literally me mentally had, I had convinced myself that not only was I the worst in practice, but then game days, I couldn't flip that switch and be like, wait, no, 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 I'm good enough. It's too late. Then like, you have to really understand it within yourself, how good you are. Um, and that's transition for me in my workplace of like really believing, like knowing that I need to work hard and knowing that there's always going to be people better and, you know, all of that, but then flipping that switch when the red light goes on and we're live in front of millions of people that I know my stuff, like I know like what I need to do, what I need to talk about. And I deserve to be here and believe it, not just like telling myself that, but actually truly believing it. And I learned that as an athlete, thank goodness, because this world will definitely, the doubt is so easy to find. And then it's easy to wake up every morning and find like how ugly fat, like all these things are getting thrown at you. So to wake up and actually be like, I am a beautiful, smart, kick-ass woman, um, I think is huge and it's really important. I love that. And yes, you are. Second that as well. <laughs> what are we some? All are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like throw out all the positive words of like the coolest and best and most awesome people. There's a thousand words, right? So if I can claim three, I'm good. I'm yeah. golden. <laughs> well, no, but like knowing what you like, what you're good at, like what makes you like Mel, like what makes you like who you are, and but like believing it, like just knowing like I'm freaking awesome. <laughs> like it, it's, it's sad, but for so long, like as women, we were never allowed to say that, you know? And then you get these athletes like Serena Williams and even just like songs that are just like, come like Lizzo. Like, I just, I think of like, um, I'm saying your name, I'm like screwing up. Like I'm so not cool, but like, there's so many like kick butt, like awesome songs out there that I am like, these didn't exist 10 years ago of just like, hear me roar. Like I am like an amazing woman and I'll punch you in the face if you disagree. <laughs> like, it's awesome. I keep thinking of Alicia and her daughter right now. Cause like, it's the perfect time for her. She's hearing all this and it makes me like happy. Like, yeah, go, go girls. If you could give some advice to coaches who want to bring this out in their players. Cause I'm like you, I don't, uh, I can't be cool and name all the cool songs right now, but you did better than I did. What are some ways that you like to bring this out in other people and show them and help them see their worth? I think embracing what makes you different. We live in a society that's all about, you know, fitting in, you know, trying to be like others, you know, mimicking, you know, whether it's clothing style or, you know, just how you look, your, your weight, your makeup, like, you know, there's such a pressure to fit in. And really, ultimately, if you want to stand out, you have to separate yourself. What makes you unique? Actually embrace the things that make you different, um, that 
literally you're going to get some looks like you're going to get people that are like, who's she? Or like, why would you dress like, why would you wear a big fluffy ball on your head? Like, that's what I feel like. This is me. I'm quirky. I'm different. Like that to me is my biggest advice to, I mean, really any gender, but like girls and women doesn't matter the age. I mean, I have friends now that we talk about, like, I mean, there's pressures to, to fit in as a, a mom or a PTA person or whatever. And you want to just kind of blend. And it's like, no, like really understanding who you are. And then the things that you notice are like, I don't think like that. Um, when you think about your career, that's what's going to allow you to be successful because ultimately how you progress even as a company or a business is to have people who think differently than you do. Um, and if you have good leadership, they're going to be attracted to those that aren't afraid to speak out against the group. So from a career standpoint, from just an overall happiness standpoint, like find the things that make you, you, I know that sounds so cliche, but it's, it's those things that might drop some jaws in a room that make people go like, what is she thinking? Or, and being able to take those looks and be like, yeah, so that's me. Hi, Jess, nice to meet you. Like I'm, I'm different. And, and just embracing that, being proud of it, taking it and running with it. And I think career-wise, life-wise, even relationship-wise, um, those are the things that ultimately allow you to stand apart. That's awesome. And those are the types of lessons I'm just like Mel mentioned, I'm trying to you know, work with Taylor and teach her and talk to her about, because she is in that sixth grade where everyone's looking at me because she is mixed. And I think that we, we, she attends a predominantly white school. So she does stand out. And in this moment, she doesn't like it and she doesn't like being comfortable with it. And I think the second piece of that is also like learning to be comfortable with standing out and being, being unique and different. Well, and 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 Alicia, like I get excited. We know this, this is so hard about that age is like, you can't give them the perspective we have. It's impossible. Right. And because we're mom or honestly, in my case, like aunt Jess or whatever, like I'm the old lady that's like, whatever. Um, but like at the same time, like what makes like her being mixed, like I, I us having that perspective, it's like, Oh my gosh, like the opportunities, like I know just now of being different because as much as like, it's great to be white and it's great to be, you know, it's like, you're much of the same. Like what you're saying at her school, it's like, it's just a sea of the same exact thing. She already is different. Like her background, her experiences, everything that she's going to go through, you know, feeling in between, you know, races, all of that. That's so hard is going to allow her to stand above everybody. Like, you know, there's a jealousy that even I, and I'm, I'm mixed, not like in the same, like boom stands out, but like, I'm a Mendoza, like my father's from Mexico, like there there's things about my background that I have embraced now and understood. But for when I was her age, I understand, like I was embarrassed if like, you know, my dad was speaking Spanish when he came and picked me up because everyone was staring at me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's like, Oh my gosh, I wish he did it more. Like I wish I was fluent. Um, And I think that's the thing I just want to hammer home with girls, especially that age of just Mm -hmm. like, if people are looking at you, like, stand up, grab a mic and like, give them a piece of your mind or, you know, just, it's a good thing. Like such a good thing. So hard because right now she just wants to blend. And, and that's, I can't, I I felt the same way. I can't argue it. I just, I want to give girls like that the confidence to know that you're special and special is really, really good. It is really good. We, we were driving through my campus uh, together about a month ago. And I said, you know, just, you know, I attended a party at that house back when I was 
And she looked at me, she goes, I've always just thought of you as a 45 year old mom. <laughs> Not that you were anything else before, but it's so true because I was talking to a friend and I would love to be able to have the perspective in my, you know, that I have now back in my twenties, because how would that really, ch- I understand that's life and that's the process of growing and maturing. And that is the process. And I love the process, but boy, if I knew then what I know now, and everyone says that, and I just wish I could just take that and put that into her. But I realized that part of what she is learning and embracing is the process is learning what you just said. And I can't wait to, to see it happen. Well, and there's going to be tears with that. I mean, that's like my biggest thing is like, I, like I see it with my kids now and it's like, we, like you, we were talking about, you want to put a bubble around them so that everything is like, here we're talking about imperfection. I'm like, yeah, but for my kids, I just want to be, I don't want them to cry. I don't want them to get made fun of or, you know, go through that like heartbreak, you know, that just happens and the cruelty that exists, especially in kids um, going through middle school, high school, all of that. And honestly, even as a 40 year old woman now, like it exists now, people throw stones and come at me, call names still it still is there um but because of like I had to learn from that and then find my own voice like because you can let that take over where it's like okay like I'm different like people don't like that fine I don't like myself I don't like who I am you know and one day you wake up and you have to see like the tailors of the world go through that process which sucks (laughs) to then finally hopefully wake up and be like hold up I, I don't feel good about who I am. I don't like, you know, my, like all these things. I'm not happy. How do I change this? Oh, wait, I'm actually a lot more amazing than I'm giving myself credit for. It's like, they have to find it on their own. I do think the power though of, of role models is huge. Like to see yourself and others, um, as much as you want to stand apart, I do think it's important to see others standing apart as well. Um, and, and, you know, usually closer to your age helps, but, um, even just, you know, finding women that are on TV that are doing, you know, things that, you know, are different and look different and is, is so huge. I, I try to do that with my kids just because I want them to see diversity, like similar to your daughter, like where we live is just a predominantly white area. And because they go to private school, like they are around a certain income, you know, level. And it seems like this is the world where I was blessed to grow up a lot. Like I was in and around Mexico a ton. And that was huge for me just to understand different languages, cultures, like, you know, different ways of living. Um, so that I could also like have a broader understanding of like where I fit in, in this much bigger world than like just my hometown. A very good point. I think that is the opportunity with this generation with how much access they have to social media. <laughs> also the drawback. Um, so I think it's cool to see that, especially listening to you guys talk about your older kids. And I got two littles who <laughs> have mostly grown up in COVID era, so they don't have many friends. <laughs> it's us three hanging out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to see that even the one time my oldest is three and a half at the playground a kid like laughed at him because he had a diaper on still like my bad kid i'll, I'll potty train <laughs> you next week <laughs> He's like yeah i got a diaper and like even my gut reaction was like oh god and then i realized like no okay he'll be okay <laughs> i can't imagine all the other things that go through your head as the adult who's the protector and that's gonna be an adventure but i think the best gift i see you two giving your kids is you do feel that you do want to protect them and they see that 
wait, mom's okay. Mom's got my back. Mom believes in me. I, maybe I don't feel it right now, but I will be good. I think that is huge. And I think that's also what we can do on a, like a lower level as coaches, as leaders is be that kind of role model too. like showing them, like, I know you're not feeling it right now. I know it sucks. And I've still got you. I'm still here. Mel, that is such a great point. Sue Enquist always says coaches are a permanent marker on the lives of the kids that they, they reach. They're, they're that Sharpie, you know, and it, it's so true because as coaches, you guys have this gift of being able to extremely influence, especially at the age that the, the athletes you are around um, are, you know, cause they're still, you know, trying to figure out um, who they are. And it's, it's, it's really cool. It's also like, I'm sure like a lot of different things, but it, it's, I think about every coach good or bad that I've had has had a huge amount of influence on, on who I am, which is why to me, as much as like, yeah, getting your backside through to hit a ball, like all the things that you're trying to get them to do to win games, ultimately you're their role model, you know, like it or not. I love that we're sitting, it's two female coaches. You know, I think that's incredible for, for you both to be mothers that are working, that are coaching, that are podcasts, that are out trying to make a difference. Um, you talked about it, Alicia, with your daughter and seeing that, but like your athletes are seeing that. And I mean, it's just, it's awesome because it's, I, I hate when then you get the opposite where a coach is so tied into the game that they can't realize that they're impacting forever um, what they're saying. Like if they're telling someone like you're not fast enough and you need to lose weight or you need to, those words will never leave, you know, the athletes that they're, they're around and you guys get to not only help them in this time, but also make decisions to be leaders and how they go on past their athlete days. And that's really exactly what you just said is why I coach. Right. I've been coaching high school here in Michigan for 23 years. And, you know, Mel and I are running this business and we're trying to just whatever we can do to help influence and give and give girls things that they can take to realize that it is their journey. The process is really long and hard, but really just truly being genuine and true to yourself at the end of the day. And, and how can you become this this strong, this strong leader as you move through life? Yeah, no. And that's I. I mean, I, I'm jealous because like, I love being able to impact people, but you guys get to do it on the daily basis where you, you see the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. But like, you know, tomorrow you wake up and you see the, the same girls, the same women, you know, and then they come back or you see what happens and where, and knowing that it's like, you know, there's a good percentage that are going to go and do whatever the heck they want anyway. Um, but knowing that even if you impacted one of the hundreds, right. Like how many people get to say that is their job? Like I, like my job is literally in your guys's case is to impact young girls. Like that's amazing. Um, and whether, whether it does or not, like you will hands down, you already have, but you will impact them um, in some way or another. Like your the, the words that you're giving them won't leave and you get to do it through sport, which is kind of cool too. Cause then you're, you know, softball. <laughs> It's very cool. So in spirit of what you were talking about before, I'm damn good at it too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Three years, hello. <laughs> you weren't. <laughs> so this is a really good lead into your book. We, um, you had mentioned at the beginning that you had written a book. So we'd like to, for you to talk about that. 
Yeah, well, there's no place like home is the name of it. Um, and it's, I know it's a little, little cheesy, but I'm a Wizard of Oz. Like that was like the movie that was my jam. Not that I'm that old, <laughs> like, but um, that was the movie that I grew up with. And then it's, it's a book based on two, I wrote it with my sister, which was an incredible experience in itself. Both of us, she played at Oregon State. I played at Stanford. We both grew up with a, you know, baseball dad coach. Um, so our life was softball was sports. Um, but what's cool about this book is it really like to me speaks to that middle school age, um, where you're trying to navigate everything we're just talking about, like, you know, pressures, these are two Hispanic girls. So they're dealing with like family pressures of just like, you know, and cousins that are, you know, like super, you know, just the Latina, the Latinx, like that's coming through, but it's like, I'm not quite identifying with that. And then you got the popular girls that are just like pressuring, like, let's go to Starbucks and get a Frappuccino every Tuesday. Like, you know, that's not me. Um, you know, boys, relationships, sports. Um, and it's all kind of seen through the lens of, of softball and like these tryouts that are coming up. And I, I loved it just because I got to write it with my sister about two sisters. It's not necessarily about us, although like our family shows up left and right. <laughs> Um, cause you kind of can't help that, but, um, I just like the idea of, I think we need more role models. Um, and whether that comes in the books that our kids are reading, whether it comes in the channels that we're choosing to watch on television, um, it's important to me that at least we put out there as many positive. And in the case of Sophia, um, who's the main character, like, I just love her character as a role model. Um, and because you kind of get to shape her in her imperfections and the fact that she makes mistakes and is navigating life, to me, it's like, I want the girls reading this book to feel like they have a friend, they have an ally, they have somebody they can see and recognize in themselves. That is a wrap for this episode. So inspiring, right? Whether you're sending this to your players or you found some inspiration from yourself as a coach, as a leader, or as a parent even, it's been a great episode. So thank you again, Jessica, for spending her precious time with us. And again, go check out her book if you're interested in that for your girls. So now that we've turned the corner on a new year, everyone's starting to get going with spring seasons, getting our training in, even if it still looks a little different from COVID, at least we're getting back out there with our girls, right? Keep us in mind, if you ever need anything, feel free to reach out, ask us any questions you have, whether that's how do I get my girls more confident or how do I teach resilience and that grit and that grr. We got you. So reach out anytime. Just head to the website and click on the messenger or shoot us an email at support at mentalsweetspot.com. Until then, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you again for joining us and have a good one.